Welcome to the Kingsway Christian Fellowship Home Service. We hope that you'll be blessed as you listen to this audio sermon streamed live from Melbourne, Australia. Kingsway Christian Fellowship is a family Bible-based non-denominational church preaching Jesus Christ, based in Wonturner. Visit www.kingswaychristianfellowship.com. Now here is Pastor Werner Schultz. In the cross, my glory Good, thank you. Thank you very much and welcome everybody in the wonderful name of Jesus. Just wondering, we were expecting a man. Hector, are you there? He is a friend of Joe's and I want to welcome you in this meeting this morning and I wish you God's blessing and that the word of God might fill your heart and that you receive today the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, Colm, I have got a question to you. Did you know what I was preaching about? And there's one word you emphasize, and this is a word I'm going to emphasize as well. It's being called that word rest. And I want to speak this morning about the rest we can have, the challenge to enter his rest. And I'm going to read from the scripture in Hebrews chapter 4, the verses 1 down to 13. And here we go. Therefore, let us fear if, while the promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed we have had good news preached to us, just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we have, for who have believed entered the rest, just as he said, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience. He again fixes a certain day, today saying through David, after so long a time, just as has been said before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, for if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for the one who has entered his rest 
has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter this rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do so far. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. Lord, and I thank you that you have already indicated, Lord, what is so important for us that we might go into this rest, the rest Jesus only can give. And I thank you, Lord, that you may bless us this morning. Give grace to speak your word. Give grace, O oh Lord, to listen to your word. And even far more, give grace to act up on your word because your word is powerful. I thank you and I do bless your wonderful name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now the writer to the Hebrews, he continues in speaking about the rest God was going to give his people. And we realize in the section we just read that there were a couple of people or many people who didn't get into the rest. And this seems to be the Lord wants to point out this morning that we come to rest. And that's so important. Now, we must have a certain fear. And I know many people don't like the word fear, but the Bible says here very clearly, therefore let us fear. It's so important. The fear of God, and the Bible speaks about clearly in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, the Apostle Paul says there, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What does it mean? Does it mean that we should be scared from God or before God? No. It must be a certain wholesome fear and respect of God and before God. And then we read also scripture in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. And he says, conduct yourself in fear during the time of your stay upon earth. There must be a certain fear in our lives. And that's so important. We might appear in front of other people as very good Christians, but we can fall short when it comes to stand before God. That's so important. We always must see in the view as God sees things. And then we will understand even more. Now, can we miss the boat? Yes. 
these people in the wilderness, the people of Israel, many missed the boat. And that word they heard was a wonderful word. But they fell short on faith. And they didn't believe. And the Bible calls this because of their unbelief. They had a wonderful promise. And we know the promise is this. God wanted to bring Israel, the people of Israel, into a land of milk and honey. Now listen, all you diabetics people. God promised milk and honey. So that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And so we see what God gives us must be good. Amen? Hallelujah. And that's good. Now here we see something I want to speak about. The word we heard must be united with faith. And that's what he says. Therefore, let us fear. There's a propagation in our days. Do not fear. Have you heard it? And seen it somewhere? Do not fear. And even it crept into the church that some people say, do not fear. Now we know it's important to understand what the Bible speaks and means about. In Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, the Bible says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. If anyone doesn't fear God, he has got no knowledge and wisdom at all. He might be still stupid as a baby when he was born. Now it's important. There needs to be a certain fear. We have got two words in Greek for the word fear. And the first is phobos. And that is a reverent fear of God as a controlling motive in our lives. Now, that's important. Things of God we must respect and fear. And I can tell you something. I will never have an accident from bungee jumping. Why? <laughs> There's something that prevents me. What is it? Fear, my dear brother Peter. It's fear. So you never will hear Pastor Werner jumped somewhere in New Zealand, uh, bungee jumping, and somehow it went wrong. It will never happen because I fear too much. The fear of God is so important. Now, this is the first word we translate the Greek word uh, Phobos with fear. It was Dr. Martin Luther. You know who it was. He was a German. And I was born into a Lutheran household in Germany. And I remember we had to learn the Ten Commandments. And Dr. Martin Luther, he gave for every commandment an interpretation. And we had to learn it by heart. And there was this 
every commandment started in Luther's explanation like this. Du sollst den Herrn, deinen Gott, fürchten, lieben und vertrauen. I think everyone understood, but if you didn't understand, so I will translate it. It says, it means, thou shalt the Lord your God fear, love, and trust. These three things are so important. To fear the Lord, to love him, and to trust him. Now, that's what God is speaking about. And that's what also the writer to the Hebrews says. Therefore, let us fear. Because everything is important to God. And we can miss everything if we don't fear the Lord. We can become blasé before God. And that's the greatest mistake we could do. Then there's another word we translate from the Greek into English as fear. And this is the word dilos. This is that cowardly, timid people can have. And we read in, X, or in Matthew chapter 8, verse 26, remember when the disciples were on the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus was sleeping in the stern of the boat. There was a wind and the waves came up and the disciples were full of fear. And he woke up Jesus and said, Jesus, we are going down. And what did Jesus say? He said, why are you afraid? You man of little faith. And then Jesus, of course, rebuked the wind and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. Now, here is the Greek word, dilos, and that is a cowardly fear, as the disciples feared that they will go down with the boat. That's not the fear the Bible is speaking about. The Bible speaks about the fear, phobos, and so I put this way always. It is better to scare somebody into heaven than love them to hell. Did you understand it? It's better to scare someone to heaven than love them to hell. Those we might have scared into heaven, they will be eternally thankful for you that you preach the gospel and that hell is a horrible place and the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Hallelujah. Now the so-called overemphasized love message misses the necessity of repentance. And that's so important that we preach repentance change of mind and that's important now there's that little boy he got from his father ten dollars now ten dollars is a lot of money for a boy a boy perhaps six or 
seven, eight years. Now he wants to keep it safe. What does he do? First, he takes the money in his hand and he clinches his hand. And then he takes his hand and puts it in his pocket. This money is now twice safe. First, in the hand and secondly, in the pocket. And that's so important. And we are being kept by the Lord in his hand. He said, nobody can pluck us out of his hand. This is a safety we have experienced in Jesus Christ. The next thing is, we must unite the word with faith. If we don't believe, then we will have no rest. Now, the great argument of Calvinism is this. It's very simple for, for me. I'm not a Calvinist. I'm a Christian. Hallelujah. First of all, I discovered, and you still can help me, I never found anywhere the word Calvin in the Bible. Did you? Show it to me. And the next thing is this. Jesus did not die for the elect only. Jesus died for all sinners in the world. And I give you a proof. And this proof is so secure. And we all know John 3, 16. And I would ask anyone, can you say or can you remember it? And can you uh, uh, quote it? For the Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It doesn't say for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for those who are elected. No, for those who Believe in him. This is the criteria, not that selection. The criteria is who believes in him shall have eternal life. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. And that's so wonderful. Now, God has a promise for the church. And that's important. There is still a Sabbath rest to come. In verse 9 of the scripture I read, so there remains a Sabbath rest. In Greek it's the word Sabbatismos. So have you entered into Sabbatismos? That is the Sabbath rest of God. Now it's very important to understand it. Remember, Every earthly promise has got a heavenly or a spiritual application and fulfillment. For instance, we read in Hebrews chapter 11, 9 and 10, and that is about Abraham. Abraham, by faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise 
as in a foreign land, dwelling in, in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Do you understand it? Abram was already in the promised land. Was he happy with it? Was he? Should not perhaps his wife Saris said, Abram, we are now there, be happy. But there was something in him. He lived in the promised land as in a foreign land. Why? Why? And I must say that's so important. He had another promise too. And that was this. He knew a city God promised him whose builder and whose foundation the Lord is. He knew the foundations are so important, although he was already in the land. But he looked forward to something far, far higher. Hallelujah. When we experience earthly promises God has given us, this is good, but our focus must be go further. And that's the Sabbath rest we're looking forward with the Lord. In Greek, as I said, Sabbatismos. That's for the people of God. There is a place, and I believe, and you can ask our dear sister from Israel, she is here this morning, and she can confirm it. If the earthly Jerusalem would have the promise for us. The earthly Jerusalem is not big enough for all the believers to give them a place to live. But Jesus said very clearly, and he said, in my father's house are what? A few mansions, many mansions, or dwelling places. And we see here, we have got a far, far greater promise. The promise we have is that heavenly Jerusalem. Hallelujah. And if it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And that's important. Now that we read that Joshua did not give Israel his rest. Although Joshua led Israel into the promised land, but it was not that so-called Sabbatismus, the Sabbath rest that God has promised Israel. And as I said, John, uh, Jesus said it clear to his disciples, in my father's house, there are many dwelling places. Now, Think about, and our dear sister from Israel, you can correct me if you want to. All the believers in Jesus Christ who found their rest in Jesus Christ and who went into the Sabbatismus, the rest of God, would they fit into that earthly Jerusalem? I would say no. 
there must be a far for greater place. And that's the heavenly Jerusalem Jesus is speaking and talking about. That's what I'm referring to. It's so important. Remember, it is God's rest to be entered. God's rest, God rested after he finished the earthly creation or we live in. But there was also made a new creation. And we know when Jesus was on the cross, his last words were these, it is finished. And then he said, Father, I commit my spirit into your hands. When Jesus said, it is finished, what was finished? The new creation was finished there at the cross. And that's so important. It was on the cross 2,000 years ago when the new creation was finished. Hallelujah. Entering its rest means resting from all our works. It was after a gospel meeting, the evangelists preached the word of God. And whenever the word of God is preached by the spirit of God and by the fire of God, after the sermon, a young man came to the evangelists and he cried out and said, what must I do? What must I do? The evangelist listened to him and looked at this young man and said, young man, you are too late. You are too late. What do you mean should have come yesterday? He said, young man, you are too late. You are 2,000 years too late. You can't do anything for salvation anymore. It has been done. And that's so wonderful. Jesus has done it all. Hallelujah. That's the rest the Bible speaks about. That's the gospel rest. The rest in Jesus Christ. Do you rest in Jesus? Have you come into this rest of Jesus Christ? Now, the reality of the word of God the apostle speaks here in Hebrew chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the vision of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So important. When the word of God is being preached, it might pierce people's lives. A lady, she came once to the gospel meetings and she was invited for the next night and she said, no, 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 I, I don't go there anymore. Anybody must have told the evangelist about my life. And she thought somebody told him 
what her life was. No, it was the word of God. That word of God pierced her heart. It was the spirit of God who reminded her of her sins. That's what the word of God says. Hallelujah. Now Joshua did not give Israel the rest. Otherwise, the apostle wouldn't have spoken about a rest still to be entered into it. Even the earthly millennium reign of Jesus Christ is not the ultimate rest. It's not the rest we must enter into it. And as God rested from his creation, so we can rest into and come into the rest of the new creation. Entering his rest means resting from all the works. We can't do anything to our salvation. It has been done. It has been done. Jesus did it all. There's a wonderful song. And some people of our church sang it a few uh, years ago. Jesus did it all. Hallelujah. And Jesus paid it all for all our sins. Now the Hebrew word Shabbat is a verb and it does not necessarily mean the seventh. It means rest. It means also celebration. There are some days in Israel's calendar. For instance, Jom Kippur. It is a day also being called a Shabbat. And there's rest in celebration. For the word of God is living and sharper. And it pierces our hearts. There are the characteristics of the word of God. First, it is a living word. Psalm 36 verse 9. The psalmist says, For with thee is the fountain of life. In thy life or your life, we see life. If you haven't come into this light of God, you're still living in a blind, dark world. God's word is alive. And Jesus said in John chapter 6, the verses or the verse 63, Jesus said, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The word that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. It is a living word. And upon this word, you can base your life. Upon the word of God, you can base your salvation. Now, the Greek philosophers of old, they had this idea, how did come this earth into existence? 
and they said, first there must have been a deed, because that seems to be logic. If anything is being created, there is a deed. But it didn't know anything about the things of God. They imagined there must be some kind of God, and they called him also the unknown God, and the Apostle Paul on the Areopark, he told him, I've come to tell you about this unknown God. In him we live and have our being. He is here, in other words. But the Apostle John, when he wrote the Gospel of John, how did he start this? And he started, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. This is being written in Greek, in the beginning was the Logos. Now the Logos is not just a phonetic expression. The Logos is a person. Hallelujah. And this Logos became flesh. Verse 14, you don't have to look it up. You can rest assured I have memorized it. And the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Who is this Word? Who is this Logos? This Logos, this Word is Jesus Christ. And he sent his Word, we read in Psalm 07 verse 20. He sent his Word and healed him and delivered them from their destruction. Hallelujah. Now, we have got some more about the Word of God. The Word of God is also a two-edged sword. And that's very important to understand. And Paul speaks to the Ephesians chapter four, 6, verse 70. And take the helmet of salvation and, and the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. If you have temptations and troubles, take the sword of the Spirit. That means take the Word of God and come against Satan and his powers with the Word of God, as Jesus did. And guess what? Jesus conquered Satan. So will you too conquer, overcome Satan by the word of God. And last, the word of God is piercing the heart as it was on the day of Pentecost. And when Peter preached the word of God, we read, now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, 
what shall we do? And the only answer is this, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. There's one thing I learned in Australia, and it's this saying, I haven't heard it only from Christians, also the world uses this term. When they say something to you and they were, done, were not quite sure whether it really is so, what do Australians say? Don't take it as the gospel. In other words, it's not quite sure, but they know something is very sure. That is the gospel. And we must take the gospel for the gospel. Amen? Hallelujah. And when we enter into this rest, do you remember how this rest of God is being called? Zabatismos. If you entered into the rest of God, then you have eternal life. Hallelujah. In my father's home or house are many mansions. And God likes to have a full house. Hallelujah. We know now in this time, especially here in Victoria, we would, would like to invite many, many people. But we are only allowed to have four or five people. I don't know it exactly. But God likes to have a full house. Amen? There's still room in the house of God. Still room for you. And if you haven't entered to this sabbatismos, the rest of God, come this morning. Over give your life as it is unto the Lord. And so, Lord, can I come into your house? And he has opened the door wide, wide. Come unto me, my dear brother Colin. Remember what you read this morning? Come unto me and I will give you what? Rest. When we have entered this bab or this uh, rest of God, sabbatismos, we have stopped working. We don't have to work anymore for our salvation. We are in God's place, in his house. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, there's still a wonderful promise of rest in the heavenly buildings, the heavenly Jerusalem. And I thank you, Lord, that everyone who heard the word of God and puts his faith in Jesus Christ is invited into your heavenly dwelling places. I thank you, Lord, so many, many, many before us.
entered into this rest and into this place, the heavenly Jerusalem. I thank you and I bless your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Welcome to the Sabbathesmos. Hallelujah. Into the rest of God. Amen. These are the days of Elijah.